Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our walk series, which looks at different Bible verses that mention the conduct that we're to have as Christians. We hope that this message will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Uh, this evening, if you could turn over to 3 John. 3 John. And uh, we... I guess just a couple of weeks ago, before we were in uh, the walk series, uh, we're going through the book of Jude, and I uh, heard some great messages uh, from that from both Pastor and Brother Fountain Senior. And uh, but this week we're going to be uh, really in Second and Third John. We're going to be uh, bouncing around a little bit uh, in the scriptures, so uh, it'll be a little bit of a briefer message. But uh, I believe that there's going to be uh, some helpful truths. Uh, in this that will help us uh, as a church body. I'm going to read two verses. The first one, 3 John, uh, verses 3 and 4. The apostle writes, For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And then, depending on how big your Bible is, uh, for me it's just the page previous in 2 John. Uh, we have there in Second John, verse number four, he says in this, uh, in this letter, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father. Uh, let's pray, and uh, then we'll dive right into God's word this evening. Dear Lord, thank you so much uh, for everything that you've done for us. God, we ask that uh, you would please help us to, uh, Lord, receive your word this evening. Uh, that it wouldn't uh, fall on deaf ears, but that, Lord, it would be something that we seek to implement, uh, Lord, even tomorrow. And, Lord, we love you, and we ask all of this in your name. Amen. Amen. So what you have uh, here in uh, 2nd and 3rd John is letters from a much, much older man uh, to two different uh, scenarios, two different uh, kinds of people, if you will. Uh, both 2nd and 3rd John uh, are, are similar in a lot of respects. One, they're very, very short. Uh, in fact, they were so short, some, uh, some churches in the first couple of centuries went, man, this is so short, I don't know if this is a thing that's supposed to you know, be read to everyone. Uh, but then obviously, as, uh, as the Spirit gave wisdom and, and all of that, uh, you had the, all of the churches accepting uh, these letters that were written from the apostle as uh, the whole counsel of God. It, it was something that all of the churches were supposed to have and were supposed to read. And in these, you have two separate audiences that John's writing to that he, bo- that he gives this command to both of them to walk in truth. And uh, he was, uh, at this time, in about his uh, anywhere from 70s to 90s, and uh, so he was nearing the end of his life. But Third John, which was the first one we, he, uh, we read, he's writing to a pastor named Gaius. And Gaius was one who uh, was following the Lord. As you read through uh, the book, uh, that small letter is really him saying, hey, Gaius, you're doing a great job. Uh, there's been some traveling evangelists or missionaries that have come through preaching the gospel, and you received them. Uh, you did well in, in housing them and in uh, allowing them to speak to uh, the church. You did a good job with that. Uh, that's all good. Don't be like Diotrephes. And he has, okay, there's this other guy that has said, okay, no, no one else can talk but me. 
And uh, in that, he says, don't be like him. I've even written to the church that Diotrephes is that, and Diotrephes won't let anyone uh, hear or read the letter that I wrote to them. And uh, obviously, when you have an apostle, someone that had walked and talked with Jesus, uh, a letter that they would write in spiritual encouragement would be something that would be important to hear. It'd be important to read. And uh, so Diotrephes was uh, not having anything to do with that. But he says to Gaius that he rejoiced that he heard that he was walking in truth. And he says there in verse number four in third John, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. In second John, you have John writing to just kind of a church in general. Uh, occasionally in uh, scripture, you'll find um, John does it here in second John. Uh, you have Paul doing it a couple of times in Philippians four and some other places. And then you have the apostle Peter doing it in first Peter five. Uh, where they would occasionally uh, not name any particular names when it came to a location because of the persecution that they were under. They didn't want to say, well, uh, I, I greet Alan Welcome and his family that are in Moses Lake uh, because they knew, hey, there's some persecution there. And uh, if any of the authorities got the letter, they would know, hey, Alan Welcome is a Christian. We've got to persecute him. And so occasionally you have uh, these writers uh, speaking generally. So that's what you have there in Second John 1, uh, where he says, the elder John unto the elect lady and her children. He can't say, hey, there's Leo there, there's Robert there, there's Jim there. He can't say that. But to those people that were obviously under persecution, he tells them as well in verse number four in Second John, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. One thing that I've loved in, uh, in hearing some of these messages about walking is the fact that walking is something natural. Uh, even when you have babies, now maybe not the tiniest of babies, but even when you get to maybe Weston's age, when you get uh, his age, uh, even little babies can walk. It's something that, uh, it's not a, a great hope for someday. It's not, man, someday I hope I can become president. It's not something that, that, that is that difficult. To walk is something that's natural. It's something that can be expected. And uh, in all of these lessons that we're hearing about walking, these aren't things that, okay, man, I really hope that someday I'm able to walk in love, that someday I'm able to walk in light. Someday I'm able to walk in truth. These are things, honestly, that uh, God, as the Holy Spirit gives us the strength and the grace to go through it, it's something that he wants us to be able to do. It's something natural. But walking in truth also requires that we are adequately equipped. Um, I know there's a lot of people that uh, do marathons, do a lot of running, uh, my old pastor back in Colorado is one uh, that would run often, and that was kind of his main form of exercise. Uh, I have an old youth pastor that he's run several marathons. Uh, I had one uh, former deacon in a church that uh, he would constantly run basically just so that he could eat whatever he wanted and there wouldn't really be any bad repercussions. Uh, but being able to do this walking requires that you're adequately equipped. If you're going to be doing a marathon, you can't do it in flip-flops. If you're going to be uh, maybe walking in a lot of snow, again, flip-flops are not going to be your best option. You would need snowshoes. You would need athletic shoes for a marathon. It's something that requires that we are adequately equipped. And the encouragement that John gives here in these passages, uh, really when you look at all of the writings of John, there's three things that John talks about constantly 
that tell us how we can be adequately equipped to walk in truth. Uh, three elements. Now, I had a plan that I, that I backslid on that I said, oh, I, I don't really know that I want to do that. I have a shoe. This shoe is one that I uh, pretty much use whenever I go, okay, whatever is happening right now is something that I would never be able to get out of my shoe. Uh, if I'm walking through mud, if I'm painting, if I'm doing something with our house's plumbing, this is the shoe I use. It's just, it, this is not something I care deeply about. I was going to just dissect it and make it into the three different parts that we were supposed to adequately equip with, but I was like, okay, no, it's, it's, uh, it's too nasty. I don't really want to deal with it, but we're going to, for illustration's sake, use uh, a shoe to look at this. There are three things as you read through uh, all of the letters of John, especially 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John that he writes, uh, that those aren't the accounts that he gives of his time with Jesus. These are the letters that he's writing to these churches and saying, hey, here's how uh, you can know that you're walking in the light. Here's how you can know uh, that you are walking in truth. Here's these things that I want you to know. Three things that come up constantly in the writings of John. These three things are truth, love, and the word, or Jesus. So truth, uh, as we'll see in a second, is, is the gospel and its outworkings as seen in the, in the New Testament. It's basically Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection for our sins and what that looks like now in this new life. Uh, we see love, which is how the gospel is acted out by followers of Christ. And lastly, we see the word, or Jesus and his teachings. And uh, these come up constantly in John's writings. Uh, so if you will with me, uh, turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. And the first thing that you need in order to be adequately equipped to walk in truth is really the sole of your shoe. It's, it's Jesus, if you will. He's the foundation. He's the base of it. If you don't have Jesus, none of the rest of it matters. It doesn't matter how much truth you have. It doesn't matter how much love you have. If you don't have Jesus, nothing matters. Uh, if you have this shoe here, it's particularly nasty, uh, but the illustration is not perfect in every way. But if you have the sole of your shoe, if you do not have the sole of your shoe, you are not going to be able to walk long. Uh, you will very quickly injure yourself. Uh, there will become all sorts of uh, holes that will poke through. Uh, as kids, one of the worst things that happened was when there was those tiny little uh, prickles, tiny little thorns that even with shoes like that, it would get through. And I can only imagine what would happen without uh, the actual sole of the shoe being there when you would interact with some of those thorns. So you have the sole. It's Jesus. It's the thing that everything is based out of. In Matthew chapter 7, and uh, you'll have to pardon me, my uh, computer cord gave up the ghost this week, and so I have to do everything on paper, but I enjoy hearing some pages turning uh, in the Bible and love that. So Matthew 7, verses 24 through 27, Jesus talks about himself as the foundation. He says here, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon the rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. 
And the rain descended, and then the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. When you build your life on Jesus, you have a sure foundation. Everything else that you can build your life upon will not last. If you say, man, I'm going to build my life on money, you can't take it with you when you die. You can't know, hey, when is the stock market going to crash? When is it going to plummet? And everything's going to go away. Uh, I find it uh, amazing that one of the highest rates of suicide is among those uh, who are millionaires or higher. Money does not do it. Money does not give you uh, the foundation, the grounding, the happiness, the fulfillment that we need as people. And uh, not only that, but even some people live for family. They live for the relationships that they have with other people. But can I tell you, people will always let you down. That's not a thing of, okay, I'm just going to become cynical and I'm just going to hate everybody. We'll hear more about that later. But uh, the point is that people will fail you Money will fail you. Uh, even doing good works, if you're just doing good works for good work's sake, it will not fulfill you. There's no reason really to be doing it without Jesus. Without Jesus, good works is just you giving up your own happiness for no reason, no reward, other than maybe a good feeling you get on the inside. Having Jesus makes all the difference. Uh, if you'll turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. It's our next passage, and here you have the apostle writing to uh, some of the saints that were uh, scattered throughout the uh, regions of Asia Minor. And in 1 Peter 2, 6 through 8, he says, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion, or Jerusalem, a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. And uh, there in verse 7, it says, Unto you, therefore, which believe, he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. There in verse number 6, you have Jesus, who is the chief cornerstone. And we sing a song, Cornerstone, based on uh, this passage and many others. Elect precious, he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. And uh, I love that promise in there, that a lot of things in life can leave us confounded. Um, when uh, Maybe when the money uh, that we thought, okay, I'm going to have this job forever and it's going to be great. When that goes away, we can be confounded. When someone important to us lets us down, we can be confounded. But if you believe in Jesus you will never be confounded. Everything around you can fall, as we read in the passage previous. The rains can come, the winds blow, but your house will remain firm. Uh, there you have uh, Jesus being the cornerstone there. And then in Acts chapter 4 and verses 10 through 12, uh, I'm going to be turning to a lot of these passages. If you're like, man, I don't know where a bunch of things are in my Bible. You do not have to follow me to each of these. I'll be reading them out loud. But if you want to, I uh, feel more than free to. Uh, Acts 4 and verse 10, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. See, Jesus is so important to walking in truth. If we're going to have our lifestyle be that, uh, that people would say, man, uh, that guy walks in truth. Uh, 
we have to realize that Jesus is the person that makes all of that possible. Uh, as it says here in this verse, that there's, uh, there is not salvation in any other. Um, a lot of people would say, hey, man, uh, my good works uh, could get me to heaven. Other people would say, my good works and whatever I can't do, Jesus will make up for that. That gets me to heaven. Uh, but the Bible is very clear that it comes through faith alone in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 say, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, that it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And uh, as we sang in that song, Living Hope, uh, that there is a chasm that's between us and God uh, that really we're born into. We are born sinners. You never have to teach. Uh, I'm trying to think who has the youngest kids in here. I'll Guidles, you never had to teach Naomi how to throw a fit, right? Yeah. No one ever had to uh, sit me down and go, okay, here's how you say unkind things to your sisters. Uh, it just came naturally. Each of us are born sinners. Uh, but as we are sinners, we needed that redemption that only Jesus can bring. And uh, he died on the cross and he paid our sin debt. Uh, we deserve death. We deserved hell forever because of what we had done. But Jesus paid our debt. And so because of that, uh, the soul, the foundation of everything is Jesus in walking in truth. Without Jesus, there is nothing for truth to be anchored to. Uh, there's no basis for truth without Jesus, without God. And there is nothing for love to be based on without Jesus. We would not know what love is without Jesus. And uh, that brings us to the next thing. You have the body uh, which is truth. Uh, there you have what I'm terming the body here is all this stuff you see on the outside of the shoe would be kind of the body of the shoe. And in that, you have truth. And uh, in truth, this is so big. Um, many times in our world, uh, in colleges, there is this thought of, okay, there's no such thing as absolute truth. Uh, they, you just can't know anything for sure. Uh, everything's based on perception. Leo may see the world one way, and that's his truth. And I have my perception of the world, and that's how I see truth. And uh, everyone's truth is completely valid in and of itself. Uh, but the fact is that that's just not true. Uh, truth is knowable. And uh, that's one of really the, the basic tenets of Christianity is that truth can be known. Uh, in John 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We find our grounds for morality in the fact that God's word is true. Uh, in John 17, 17, uh, Jesus prayed, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And uh, we can know what's true based on what the Bible says. A lot of people try to determine truth by, hey, uh, here's this experience I've had, and that's going to determine what truth is in my life. Or people will say, okay, well, I, I know what the Bible says about this topic, but I, I know someone that uh, is involved maybe in this lifestyle, and, and they're nice people, so I'm going to go with my experience or my perception rather than what the Bible says, rather than what truth is. And uh, we can see when John's talking about truth, uh, if you want to turn over to 1 John chapter 2, verses 20 through 27, we can see kind of what he's talking about a lot of times uh, in his uh, epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, uh, when he talks about truth. And in 1st uh, John 2, 20, 
It says, but ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and, ye know, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning, the gospel. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. And uh, I love just kind of the gravity that, uh, that John has in this. He says, hey, the gospel that you've heard, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the one that came uh, for the sins, he's the one that's coming back to rule, this truth that you've heard is factual. The people that deny it, he, he says, are antichrist. They don't know God. They don't have the Father. Anyone that would try and tell you, hey, Jesus isn't really God, he says, those are false teachers. That's not true. Uh, and in all of this, you can, you can see John's uh, really zeal for, for a lot of this. In 3 John uh, verses 5 through 10, he, uh, he writes to Gaius, the pastor, and says, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We, therefore, ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. And here you have John saying, hey, the people that are having a biblical mindset, when they have biblical teaching, we are right when we have that godly fellowship with others. Uh, truth is uh, not simply just the gospel, but the outer workings of the gospel. That, hey, here's, here's the truth that we have in Jesus Christ, and here's the result of it. So uh, you go uh, maybe to Galatians 5, where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. All of those things are outworkings of the gospel. It's, hey, the Holy Spirit now lives inside of you. These are the characteristics that God himself has, and these are the things that he wants to bring forth in your life. Here's truth that you need to walk in. The truth is the word of God. And uh, if we're going to walk in truth, we need to know the word of God. And it's never been easier to memorize the word of God than it is right now. There are so many helps uh, that you can find. Uh, even the other day, I just downloaded uh, an app onto my iPad that has uh, hundreds of verses that I can memorize of scripture uh, that I can learn it in a bunch of different ways. Some people uh, learn verses really well by hearing them. Uh, some people learn verses really well by reading them. Uh, and uh, there are so many different ways to memorize God's word. And uh, if you'd say, hey, maybe I want to uh, know some verses that would be good to memorize, uh, I have a list um, on my computer, so you'll have to ask me after tomorrow. Uh, but I have a list on my computer of uh, a lot of verses um, that you can memorize that would be good, that would teach you some of this truth uh, that we're talking about. Uh, in truth, the truth of the gospel results in a change of life through the Holy Spirit. Um, I love, uh, there's one song that I, that I heard growing up, and I, it brought me to tears every time. It says, just as I am, I ran to him, and Jesus took me in just as I am, and he forgave my sin. Oh, the way he's changing my heart proves he loves me too much to leave me 
just as I am. And I'm so thankful that Jesus didn't just save us and then go, okay, now you have to try and be a good person on your own all for the rest of your life. Instead, it says that in Ephesians 1, we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise and that the Holy Spirit uh, from uh, John, I believe it's 16, is there to guide us into all truth and uh, that we are made more like Jesus because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we can see how that kind of plays out in our lives. Uh, it's, it's kind of big to say, okay, you're supposed to walk in truth. You're supposed to follow scripture. How does that really look practically? We can see some of that in James chapter 2, uh, where he says, What doth it profit, my brethren, or what good does it do? Though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? Or is that, uh, is that a complete faith? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? If we're going to be walking in truth, we have to have a care for others and a love for others. Uh, we can see this again in 1 John 3, uh, verses 16 through 24. Where the apostle there writes, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. If we're going to love, if we're going to walk in truth, then it requires that we act like we know the truth. If Jesus gave his entire life for us, then we ought to have a love and a desire to serve others. Uh, we can see again how this is played out in Galatians uh, chapter 5, verses 13 through 14. And there you have Paul writing, For brethren, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. If you want to know how God wants your life to look, God wants you to love other people as much as you love yourself. God wants you to take the same level of care for those that you interact with, uh, maybe in your family, maybe in your friends, maybe your coworkers or your neighbors, he wants you to have the same level of care for them that you have for yourself. And uh, we can see, again, I, I referenced it a little bit earlier, so I won't belabor it, but the fruit of the Spirit there at the end of that chapter. And uh, again, in uh, verses number 16 and 17 of that chapter, he says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. Uh, when we're walking in truth, when we're uh, doing what the spirit tells us to, when we're obeying what the word of God has for us, it's going to make a difference in how we interact with people. We're no longer going to be governed by, hey, just in and of myself, I'd be really mad at my coworker right now. Or in and of myself, I really want to yell at my kid, or I really want to yell at my husband. Uh, we're not going to have the same reactions that we would otherwise uh, when we're walking in truth. 
And uh, going back to our uh, theme verse for this year, 1 Corinthians 15, 58, it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We do all of these things. We have uh, this truth that we're following because it makes a difference. Uh, all of 1 Corinthians 15 uh, is kind of talking about, hey, here's, here's the resurrection. Uh, in verses 3 and 4 of that chapter, he says, hey, here's the gospel. Here's the promise that Jesus was raised and we can be raised as well. And uh, because of all this, that's why you should be steadfast and movable. He says, hey, heaven's coming. We've got a, a renewed body that's coming. And so because of that, we can act because there is a reason for it. There is a reward. Also, we can see that without truth, there's no potential for walking and growth. Uh, going back to the shoe illustration, if I have uh, the shoe, but there's no body, if there's none of this stuff here, there's just a soul, there's nothing for me to walk in. Uh, there's no connection between uh, there's no connection between the soul, if you will, or there's no connection between uh, Jesus, the foundation, and me trying to walk. Uh, it's not. It sounds uh, nice, if you will, but it's not reality to say, okay, I I don't focus at all on truth. I just focus on love. Truth is the thing that gives a connection to our love. It gives our connection to our foundation of saying, hey. I can only love as I have my foundation in Jesus and I have the truth of God's word that connects me to that, uh, which leads us to our last thing. Uh, this was, I tried to find if there was you know, a different word for it. It's either insert or insole. It's that uh, soft part on the inside uh, of your shoe. And uh, I thought it was very much like uh, the other thing that, that John talks about often, which is love. So you have the soul or the foundation being Jesus. You have the body, which is truth. And then you have that insole or that insert, which is love. And uh, without love, you cannot walk and not cause pain. If you say, okay, man, I've got, I've got all the truth. I know every verse in the Bible. And uh, I've got my foundation. I know Jesus. Uh, I, all right, I'm going to do a lot of walking. But you have no insoles. You're going to get hurt you're going to get hurt real fast if you maybe try and give that to someone else. If you say, hey, you know, Janet, do you know Jesus? I want to help you know Jesus. But there's no insult. There's no inserts. It's just that foundation and then the truth on the outside. You're going to get hurt really, really fast uh, by what I'm trying to give you. And uh, just in the same way, our love is the thing that really puts all of this together. And John emphasizes it over and over and over again as you read through his epistles. Uh, he realized this. Jesus made uh, a huge deal of it in the, last, uh, in the Last Supper. And we can turn over there in John 13, uh, verses 34 and 35. Where's John? Uh, no, just John, John. Yeah. John, John. There was not a fifth gospel. I'm just saying John twice. So there you have John 13, 34 through 35. He says, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. And I love um, there in this passage, uh, that word ye is uh, 
you guys, y'all, you guys using, there's, there's Southern, Southerners have, you know, words for this that we don't have just in regular, y'alls, all, all y'all, is there a, is there an abbreviated term of, all y'all, okay, he says all y'all, and uh, here's the thing, it's not enough for me to go, man, I love Leo, Leo's pretty great, Rob's the worst, like, we can't, we can't have that. Uh, when Jesus says, by this shall all men know you, that you're my disciples, if you have love one to some of the others, it can be easy sometimes to go, man, I really love Dan Blem. He's great. And sometimes there might be people that we'd go, man, it's really, really hard to love that person. They say things that hurt me. They do weird things. They smell funny. Whatever it is, uh, we have these things that we say, man, I'm going to love this person because it's easy, and I'm not going to love this person because it's harder. But church isn't just uh, maybe a club where we come to that, hey, I'm going to go hang out with my buddies and not interact with the weirdos over there. It's, hey, everyone that I'm interacting with, I have to love, well, I, I get to love, but I have the ability to love not because of my own strength and my own greatness in loving, but because of what Jesus did for me. If I'm loving, like let's say Robert, if I'm loving Robert just because my personality and his personality makes us friends, really, I'm not loving like Christ wants me to love Rob. But if I love Rob because, hey, Jesus died for me, because he loved me so much that he gave me everything, and Rob's my brother in Christ, and Jesus died for him because he loves him so much, and I love him because we have that fellowship in the gospel that, hey, we're brothers, we're family. That's the love we ought to have with each other as Christians. It's not, hey, he's got a great personality, I have a great personality, we're going to be friends. It's, hey, when you interact with anyone in our church, we ought to have love one for another because of the gospel. And I love that truth uh, from John 13. And then in chapter 15, verses 9 through 13, uh, Jesus says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for my friends, or for his friends. And uh, I love in this passage, kind of one of the ways that we'll know if we're, if we're walking with God is if we're loving other people. Um. I love uh, this truth here. He says, if you keep my commandments in verse number 10, you shall abide in my love or, or you're going to remain, you're going to live in. Uh, and then you have down in verse, number, uh, in verse number 12, he says, this is my commandment. Okay, so he says, if you keep the commandments, you're going to be living in, you're going to remain in, you're going to abide in my love. So if you abide in the commandments, what's the commandment? Love one another as I have loved you. So one way you can kind of know, hey, am I living, am I walking in truth, is going to be, hey, how's my reactions to other people right now? Uh, when I see uh, my neighbor across the street, am I thinking, man, why are they like this all the time? That might be a good indication that I'm not walking in truth like I should. 
uh, if I see uh, maybe a person at church and I go, man, they just, they really rub me the wrong way, then I can know, hey, I, I'm probably not walking in truth right now. If I, if I see my wife and I go, man, she never does this or never does that, and that's my, that's my thought, that's my attitude, or if she says, hey, did you do this? And I go, how can you always be telling me what to do? I can know, hey, I'm probably not walking in truth right now. Instead, I'm walking uh, really in lies or I'm walking in the flesh. And uh, it's mentioned over and over and over again, uh, really in every letter in the New Testament uh, that's written that our love is something that is supposed to be unique and huge in the lives of believers. Uh, in Romans 12, 9, and 10, you can see uh, love being mentioned. I'll probably just go through these very quickly. This is where a computer's nice sometimes, where you can just read it off a list, but we'll, we'll turn to them. So Romans 12, 9, and 10, Paul's going through talking about the practical effects of all of the, um, of all of the doctrines that he's been talking through earlier. In verses 9 and 10, he says, let love be without dissimulation. Uh, that's that thought of, I'm not going to love Janet, and really dislike Veronica, it's I'm going to love everyone that's in uh, the church. In 1 Corinthians 13, 13, you have Paul saying, And now abideth faith, hope, charity, or love, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. In Galatians 5 and verse number 6, Paul says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. In Ephesians 4 and verse number 15, he says, but speaking the truth in love. Uh, in verses 25 through 32 of that same passage, he talks about the fact that how you love results in a change of behavior like we mentioned earlier. It's that when you're walking in love, you're going to be walking in truth. And uh, then you have in Philippians 2, verses 1 through 4, he talks about if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. If you're loving someone, you're not going to think, man, I'm more important than they are. If I love Samantha, I'm not going to go, man, I love Sam. I'm really more important than she is. Uh, love doesn't do that. Love says, hey, I'm going to view other people as more important than myself. Uh, if you are going through your day and you go, man, that coworker is just the worst, might be an indication, hey, I'm, I'm not thinking about things in truth. I'm not loving the way that Christ asked me to love. In Colossians 2, verses 1 through 3, uh, he talks about his love for those at Laodicea, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love. Uh, the greatest bond of unity in the church is not necessarily uh, a great mission from pastor. It's not, okay, we're going to be steadfast this year, and that's what's going to unite us. Uh, our hearts are going to be knit together in love, and as we have that love and we're knitted together, uh, I don't know a lot about knitting, but I've seen some pretty cool knitting things, and uh, it's, it's all there together, and it's hard to get apart. And uh, when we as a church love each other, it makes a difference in the unity that we have going forward. Uh, and then in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3 and verses 11 through 13, Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. 
love is not just supposed to be what you have for the people in this church. It's supposed to be what you have for everyone. Uh, I love that phrase there. Uh, Make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men. Um, Kindness should not be reserved for these four walls. When you're interacting with anyone in our community, if you are interacting maybe with a restaurant worker, uh, if they get them to be unkind, we're supposed to have love towards other people, maybe not even necessarily because, oh, they've earned my love, but because of how Jesus has loved us, that's how we're supposed to love others. And uh, then the the final one I have of this, uh, can you kind of see that Paul mentions it a lot. John mentions it a lot. We're supposed to have this love for other people, and it governs how we act uh, with them. In 2 Thessalonians 1, uh, verses 3 and 4, it says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity or love of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. Is that what can be said of us in Moses Lake? When someone says, uh, Anita, when someone says Lena, I, I guess there's a rhyme there, Anita, Lena, I don't know many others, so we'll just leave it with those two. When they say your name, would they think, man, that person really loves the people that are around them? Would they say, hey, uh, maybe even someone that wouldn't know our names, when we leave our workplace, when we leave a restaurant, would we be able to have that testimony of people that, wow, I felt loved when that person was interacting with me. Or would they say, man, that person was really impatient. Everyone kind of leaves an impression when they arrive in a place, when they leave a place. We ought to leave the impression with others that we love them. And if we're going to to love them uh, and they're going to feel loved, then that would be a great way for us to, uh, you know, hand out an Easter invitation and say, hey, Thank you so much for uh, your work. Thank you so much for uh, doing all that you do. Uh, Thanks for being my sister or my brother. (laughs) Uh, Here's here's an invitation to my church. Um, When you have all of these things working together, when you have that firm foundation, that soul of Jesus that undergirds everything we do, when we have truth, we have body, we actually have something uh, to say, to walk in, to have, and we have that insole, if you will, of love that, hey, there's something that provides uh, some cushion. It provides something that's good. Uh, I love the truth. I think it's in Romans where uh, the Apostle Paul says, the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. A lot of times we might think, okay, the fear of punishment leads you to repentance. And sometimes we might even act that way. But the truth of it is that the goodness of God is what uh, Scripture testifies as leading us to forgiveness. Uh, Over and over again in the Psalms, we read, for his mercy endureth forever. And uh, this is the testimony of God's word, that as uh, he's called us to walk in truth, it's not a, man, I really hope someday I can do that. Walking is something an infant can do. And uh, some of us, you know, maybe haven't been saved for long, uh, and we'd say, man, I kind of feel like an infant. Well, infants can walk. And uh, if you say, maybe, you know, man, I've been saved for a while. I'm a little bit older in my Christian faith now. Uh, you, can, you can still walk in faith. How does it happen? You have that foundation of Jesus. You have that, 
uh, body of truth, that thing that uh, really connects everything. And then you have that insular or that inside of love that gives, uh, that gives the testimony to the truth of what you have. In all of these things, we're called to walk in truth. Um, as John is writing all of these letters, it, I, I love that uh, he mentions the fact that he has heard and that he's seen of, these, uh, of the churches, of the individuals, that he's heard that they walk in truth. Third uh, John 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. And in Second John 4, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth. Uh, it's not something that, man, someday I can achieve that, but it's tomorrow. Will you choose? I'm going to walk in truth. I'm going to have love for other people that's not based on my feelings, that's not based on personality, but that's based on what Jesus did for me, and I'm going to love other people. Uh, let's bow our heads and close our eyes uh, for a moment of invitation. If God's spoken to you, uh, respond to him. If there's something that you'd say, Lord, I know I haven't had this aspect of it. Of Lord, maybe I haven't been, uh, I haven't been walking in truth. I haven't been in Your Word. Uh, maybe I don't even know what Your Word says. Take some of those steps, even tonight or tomorrow morning, and begin that journey. Maybe you'd say, Man, I, I haven't been loving like I ought to. I'm, I've been loving people based on personality. I've been loving based on how I feel at the time. Maybe confess that to the Lord. But maybe you'd say, Lord, or even just Brian, I, I don't know uh, I don't know Jesus in the way that you're talking about. I've never asked him to forgive me of my sin. I, I've never chosen to follow Jesus. And uh, if that's you, then uh, I would love to talk to you afterwards. Rob would love to talk to you afterwards if you don't know that. Um, that, as we talked about at the beginning, that's the most important thing. That's the foundation of it all. That's the base. But if you are saved, let's choose tomorrow to walk in truth. It's not something that we have to wait for a someday, but it's something, hey, Lord, you can help me to walk in truth today. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit moseslakebaptistchurch.com.